0: It's good to be back. It's good to be back at PFN uh, today. Thank you for uh, sending uh, some of us to our general conventions and assembly. And a big thank you uh, goes to Pastor Shauna and Pastor Jake. Wonderful job uh, for uh, holding down the fort for us last week. Uh, We appreciate that. They did a wonderful job. Uh, Thank you also to all of our volunteers that uh, volunteer every single Sunday to make a Sunday happen. Do you know we have over about 100 volunteers every single Sunday just to make Sunday happen here at PFN? And we couldn't do it without you. So thank you. Why don't you give yourself a round of applause as well? You deserve that. Thank you. Um, when I was in Indiap- Inap- Indianapolis, I was sitting there in the, in the convention center, and I was thinking to myself that God has certainly taken me on a journey since that very first time that I walked into a Nazarene church, because before that day, before that morning, when I walked into that church, I had never even heard of a denomination called the Nazarenes. And frankly, if I'm telling the truth, once I got there, some of them kind of freaked me out. They still do. It's okay. It's all right. So, um, But I grew to love all of them, and they grew to love me, and they took it upon themselves to mentor me and just to disciple me. And so there I was sitting in that convention center with over 10,000 other fellow Nazarenes. And I thought to myself, Lord, what are you doing? I... Look at me. Look look at the change that you have made in my life. And I could say that to you as well. Look at you. In fact, why don't you look at your neighbor and say, wow, you have certainly come a long way. Right? (laughs) We all have. We all have come a a long way. It's true, isn't it? We've, We've done that. Right? Compared to how We were when when we found God. Look at us now. It's amazing. There's been times in our life, though, that if we're honest, that our faith has been tested. There's times that when we're really honest, we would say that our our faith has probably taken a stall for a moment. A couple of weeks ago, I asked you that question that Jesus asked his disciples. And he is still asking us this question today. Um, It's an important question question, who do you say that I am? I've asked that same question to a lot of people over my years as a pastor, and I've had a variety of different answers. As you can imagine, some of them have said, well, he is my friend, and, or they said he's my hope, or he's my deliverer, or he's my strength. I've heard people say, well, pastor, he's my strength, and he's my sustainer. But there's a concept that is rarely spoken about uh, when I ask that question. Yet it, it is so fundamental for us as, as Christians to get this part, this part of Jesus, of who he is. Not one time, not one person has ever said to me, well, pastor, he is the resurrection. Wait wait, Jesus is the resurrection. Now, you know, I know when we come and celebrate Easter, we celebrate that most important day of the of the Christian calendar, the day when Jesus was resurrected. But the resurrection was something that ha- wasn't just something that happened to Jesus. We celebrate here at church, we often come and we celebrate the event of resurrection. But do we celebrate the person who said that he is the resurrection? And there's, there's a difference. Jesus told us in the story today, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus didn't say that from the cross. He didn't wait until after he had already been raised from the dead to remind us of that's who he is. He said it when he came to go see another guy who had died, but isn't going to be staying that way for long. His name is Lazarus, and I want to guide you through a portion, just a portion of that story today, and I want, want us to look at three dead ends that our faith seems to face from time to time, uh, and, and most importantly, I hope that we see how this story has very, actually very little to do with what Jesus did that day, but it has everything to do with who Jesus is And who he is for us today. So turn with me to John chapter 11. The whole story obviously is there in the Bible. You just have a portion of this story. Uh, We're going to start there in verse 1. This story is about 44 verses long. We're only going to look at a little over half. Actually, we're only going to look at a few verses. You have a little over half in your handout today. So John chapter 11 verse 1. This is what the Bible says. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick, and we're going to find out here in this story that Lazarus wasn't just sick. He didn't just have the sniffles. Uh, He was so sick that he was going to die. It says he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. Verse 3 says, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, and they said, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, I want to pause there for a little bit because I know I shook your hands this morning and there's a lot of people here celebrating today. There's a lot of people that are in a good mood. You got good things going on in your life. But let's acknowledge that there's also those of us here that are watching you with wishful eyes. Uh, Perhaps you're here and you've not had a good week. Maybe you're here this morning and it's not been a good month. (laughs) You really hope that 2023 was going to be a good year, but it's not. In fact, I know that there's some here that would say, you know what, pastor, this life has been a struggle for me. In fact, I've heard some of you, uh, some of you recently have had the phone ring and you were told from that phone call, or maybe you sat across from somebody and they said, well, I'm sorry, but I hate to tell you, but some of you have been told the same thing that Lazarus' sister told Jesus: the one that you love is sick. Someone that you're close to is recently being diagnosed with some, something bad. Maybe it's maybe it's you, or maybe you've heard the news recently: uh, the job that you love isn't going to last much longer, we can't afford to keep you any longer. Or what you thought was going to be the dream marriage has honestly turned into a nightmare. Or a close friend may have hurt you. Or you hear those dreaded, the worst four words in any relationship, we need to talk. They're the worst, right? Maybe you're parents have let you down. Maybe your kids have let you down. So on and so forth. You know what I'm saying? Life is hard. Life isn't always easy. Sometimes life just actually stinks. Sometimes life is just difficult. When I go to bed at night, I put my phone right next to the bed, right right next to my head. And I do that so if it rings, I will hopefully hear it and I hopefully wake up and, and hear that. But When a pastor's phone rings in the middle of the night, let me tell you, it's rarely good news. When when a pastor's phone rings in the middle of the night, I've had no one call me at 2 a.m. and say, hey, guess what, pastor, I got the promotion. Nobody does that. Nobody calls me at three in the morning and said, hey, I just had to let you know that we got a new car. No, don't call me at 3 a.m. I'm happy for you and your car, but no. See, if my phone rings in the middle of the night, it's usually bad news. Although I did have a pastor friend of mine, his wife was woken up by a phone call and it was well past midnight and the church member on the other end was in a frantic and they said, Kim, not the Kim you're thinking of, not Kim Brock, it's not that Kim, it's the other Kim. All right, so. They said, Kim, I have an emergency and I need your help. And Kim said, she sat straight up in bed. She could hear the panic on this person's uh, voice. And she said, yes, 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 of course, come down. Let's see what we can do. And the person said, Kim, this is serious. I'm in trouble. I'm baking cookies for my son's class tomorrow at school and I ran out of sugar. Would you bring some over? Hmm. This has not happened to me yet. And Cheryl Sherwood, it never should never happen to me. You know she's thinking it. You know she's thinking it. Right? Right? She knows. She knows she just got caught. So See usually when a pastor's phone rings in the middle of the night, it's a it's a matter of life and death. As a pastor, I've been there so many times and I've knelt down next to that bed and I've uh, been there with that family and as they have received the worst news, I've sat down next to those beds and prayed those same words, Lord, the one that you love is sick. See, Jesus got that phone call too. But it was, it was uh, from these two sisters. And they sent Jesus this message. Jesus, your friend, the one that you love, Lazarus, he's sick. And Jesus says something pretty amazing. I want you to see this in verse 4. This is what he said. When he heard the news, Jesus said that this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory. It's for God's glory. It's so that the Son of God may be glorified through this. Now, let me ask you. You're, you can probably think of the worst moment of your life. For some of you, that, that worst moment has already passed. You're through it and you survived. It was terrifying and it was horrible. And, but I hate to say this, but the reality is some of you still have that worst day coming. I don't know when it's going to be, but it's, it may be coming. What if? What if the very thing that you would wish would never happen again or would never happen in the future, what if that worst moment in your life, what if God would be, bring glory to himself through it? Hmm. I'm not saying that God caused it to happen. I wouldn't ever say that. But what if God is saying in, this, in that moment, in your moment, in your worst moment, I can use this. I can use this for my glory. Let me give you just a quick summary of verses 5 through 14. You can read it on your own. It's there in front of you. But basically, everybody thinks that Jesus is going to drop everything that he's doing, and he's going to go see his friend Lazarus. But what does Jesus do? The story says that Jesus does nothing. For two days, he doesn't do anything. Zip, not a nothing. We don't know what Jesus was doing. Maybe he was watching TV. I don't know. But he's not helping Lazarus. He's not going to to Lazarus. And two days later, he says this to his disciples. Two days have passed. And he says, hey, now let's go back to Judea to which his disciples are thinking, are you crazy? Don't you know that there are people there that want to kill you? And if they kill you, they might kill us. Are you nuts? And he says, no, Lazarus has fallen asleep and we need to go wake him up. Now, this wasn't a Sunday afternoon. He was not taking a Father's Day Nazarene nap, right? What Jesus is saying here is Lazarus is... Dead. And we need to go raise him from the dead. Now, over the years, I've heard this story preached many times. I've preached through this story quite a few times. Uh, And oftentimes, it always focuses on the miracle that's going to happen. And it never focuses on the people that are in the story. It might focus on Jesus, and it might focus a little bit on Lazarus, but we never look at the other characters in the story too much. Uh, so that's what I want to do this morning. Take a look at this story a little bit different way and, and look at some of these characters. First one we're going to look at is uh, the disciple Thomas. Thomas was one of the guys that had been following Jesus around and, uh, before they go and take this two-day journey back to see Lazarus. We're going to look at Mary, one of the sisters, and we're going to look at her other sister, Martha. And we're going to see how each three of these have reached a time in their life where their faith has reached a dead end. And so if you're taking notes, let's start with Thomas. Some of you can relate to Thomas. Thomas had dead end doubts. Thomas had dead end doubts. It's not surprising to us. We know Thomas by his nickname, don't we? Thomas is referred to as the what? The doubting Thomas. Thomas. Throughout scripture, that's how we see him. It never calls him that, but I mean, that's how we see him. He's just, he's kind of the Eeyore of the disciples. Nothing ever goes right for Thomas, it seems like. And he's always uh, doubting. Look at verse 16. It says, then Thomas, also known as Didymus. And if you're Thomas, aren't you glad that you're called Thomas, not Didymus? <laughs> All right? Because being known forever as the doubting Didymus would have been worse. Okay. Anyway, he says to the rest of his disciples, listen, guys, don't you remember that there's people over there that want us dead? Why are we going back over there? He says, so (laughs) here's a great idea. Let us just go back there with him and die with him. In other words, Thomas is doubting. Why in the world are we doing this? He's saying, L- Lazarus is gone. What's the point? You know this isn't going to turn out well. There's no way any good's going to come out of any of this. Lazarus is already gone. And you want us to, you want to take us to a place where people want to kill you, where people want to see us dead? This is not smart, Jesus. What are you doing? And before we jump on this bandwagon and, and judge Thomas, too harshly, remember that we know the rest of the story, don't we? Thomas didn't, right? Thomas, he's just vo- voicing his concerns. He's, he's expressing doubts about the wisdom of making such a trip. What's the point? He doubts that anything good can come out of his horrible situation, this horrible situation. I'm curious, how many of you would be honest enough? to say that you've thought the same thing. How many would be honest enough to to raise your hand and say pastor throughout my life throughout my journey with Jesus I've had some spiritual doubts. Anybody here? Absolutely. I think all of us had and if you didn't raise your hand we'll give you a little bit of time to polish your halo this morning. <laughs> See all of us All of us have had doubts, haven't we? We have, right? Everybody at some point, I know you have prayed a prayer and you believe that God could and you thought that God would, but he didn't. And you thought at that moment, you're just, you're bombarded by all these doubts and you say, why didn't he do this? Or perhaps you believe in God and something really bad something bad happened to somebody that you love and you think, well, if God is good, why didn't he, or why did he let? If he's all powerful, why didn't he stop? And suddenly you're like Thomas and you're full of doubts and your faith has reached this dead end time because of all of the doubts that are going through your head. Or maybe some of you are more like Lazarus' sister, Mary. She didn't have dead in doubt level of faith, but if you're taking notes, she had reached a dead in discouragement. dead in discouragement. You just don't see anything good happening. When are we going to ever get a break in life? See, Mary was very, very discouraged. We see this. If you look at verse 20, it says, When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet Jesus. But where was Mary? She didn't even go see him. She's back at home. She's like, why bother? I don't even need to go out and see Jesus at this point. I mean, my brother is already gone there's nothing that he's going to be able to do. And, and maybe, honestly, when you think about your situation, you're saying this same thing. What are you going to do now? It's Right? You just think, well, may, maybe my life isn't supposed to change. Maybe I'm always going to feel alone. Maybe I'm always going to be depressed. Maybe it's too late that I'll, I'll never get that job that I want. Or we're never going to have the marriage that we dreamed about. And you say, I'm stuck. I'm discouraged, Jesus. Some of you are, even do the Christian language thing. You know, when somebody greets you, especially on church Sunday morning, and they say, hey, good morning, how are you? What do you do? Oh, I'm fine. Some of you even say, hey, I'm better than I deserve, praise the Lord. Or I'm blessed and highly favored, praise Jesus. And the words come out of your mouth and they are dry and they are meaningless and they are a lie. You're telling people what you think that they want to hear. You aren't doing good. You don't feel blessed. And you're smiling on the outside, but you're dying on the inside. And you're thinking to yourself, does any of this make any difference? Does this make any difference? Or did I just get dressed up for nothing? Because God, if I'm honest with you, I'm getting a little fed up. And I've reached a point where I'm a little more than discouraged, if we're honest. Some of you have reached a time of dead-end discouragement because nothing seems to change. Some of us have reached a dead-end level of doubt. God's never gonna do anything. Martha, though, if we look at Martha, if you're taking notes here, maybe you can relate to her. Her faith had reached a point of dead-end delay. God just took too long. God just took too long. Jesus should have come back earlier, right? I mean, he waited two days doing nothing. He didn't show up on time. He waited two days to make this two-day trip after he had heard the news that Lazarus, Lazarus was sick. So why did he take so long? Verse 17 says this. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. Four days. Uh, why would that matter? Why would it matter that Jesus showed up four days late? Why not three days late? Why not five days late? What's it matter that you showed up four days late? See, in the time of Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Jesus, there was this commonly held belief that after a person died, that the spirit would stick around for three days. The spirit would just kind of stick around, and uh, it was just kind of a a basic belief. It was a pagan belief. It wasn't a Christian belief, but it was kind of this, this folklore that if someone died, their spirit would hover around for three days in case, I don't know, they decided not to be dead anymore. Now, you can understand why people of this time might have thought that. They didn't have medical advances, so there were times that they thought people were dead, and they actually weren't. And so there was this belief that the spirit might come back. But after four days, they believed that the spirit was gone, that the spirit isn't going to come back. So in her mind, in, in her mind, Lazarus was gone, gone. It's too late. Her brother isn't coming back. Jesus delayed too long in order to make a difference. Verse 21, the Lord, Martha said, listen to this. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. In other words, she's saying, Jesus, thanks for coming, but you took too long. Why didn't you do this when you could have done something about it? And some of you right now can relate to exactly what she is thinking the delay in how God is answering your prayer has caused you to have this dead-end delayed type of faith. You're waiting on some sort of answer to your prayer. You're, you're wanting some sort of result, and in your mind, nothing has happened yet. Some of you, you're praying for a loved one to experience the goodness of of God. You're praying for that loved one to come and to to know Christ and for them to turn their life over to Christ. And you prayed and you prayed and you prayed all the time. And the more you pray, the further they seem to get away. And, And you're wondering, why? Why, God? I know a lot of people that are praying for somebody right now that God would heal them. Because you believe that we serve a God who says, with me, all things are possible. And so you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and God's not doing it. And your faith is reaching this dead end because of what we think is God's delay. I know people that are struggling financially You've been praying and praying and praying for some sort of financial relief in your family. Nothing's changing. Nothing's happening. And you're thinking, why, God? Why are you waiting so long to answer me? And if that's you, I hope that this will speak to you that never forget that God's delay doesn't mean God's denial. There are two different things. Just because God hasn't done something yet doesn't mean that he's not going to. God is still in charge. God still has a plan for your life. God still may be glorified through the thing that you fear the most, through the the moment in your life that you do not want to repeat or go through. Lord, Martha says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Everything's bad. Nothing is going as as I planned it. And she says, but then she reaches verse 22. But I know. But I know that even now. Jesus, I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And so she looks at Jesus and she says, You waited too long. My brother is gone. But even now, even though our faith has reached a critical limit, even though you may be facing a dead end faith because of delay or discouragement or a doubt, even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Some of you need an even now moment in your life, don't you? You're stuck. You're stuck in verse 21. Lord, if you had just done something. Some of us are, are kind of like that record. You remember? Let's date ourselves a little bit. You remember the records as they get stuck and say, say over, over, over. We're there too, if only. Lord, if only. Lord, if only, Lord, if only. We're stopped, we're stuck. And we think, if only, Lord, you had stopped. If only, Lord, you had cared. If only, Lord, you had loved. See, when that phone rings in the middle of the night, what that person is thinking, Lord, if only. But in a last ditch effort, they're they're just like Martha. And they're saying, but even now, Jesus, even now, God will give you what you ask. So some of us are, you're in need of an even now moment. Even now, when you're discouraged, even now, in your doubt, even now, God can come in and build your faith up from where it is. Even now, because things have not gone as planned, God may still change, or God may not change the circumstances, but God can certainly change the way we view it. Even now, when you feel alone and you feel like there's no one out there, the presence of the Holy Spirit can come into your life and give you a peace that can pass all understanding. Even now, our God can reach into your messed up family and bring healing in harmony and forgiveness and restoration even now even now when everything looks impossible we serve a god who still says with me all things are possible even now when there's something that is dead the resurrection power of Christ can bring it back to life and that's what Jesus did in verse 23 he said Martha your brother will rise again and Martha said, Well, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection in the last days, but but she was confused. She was thinking of a different resurrection. She was thinking uh, like we do about the word resurrection. She's thinking about what's ha- gonna happen to Jesus, not who Jesus is. And in verse 25, this is how he answers her. Martha, I am the resurrection. In the life. He didn't say, Martha, I know I'm able to resurrect. No, he said, no, I, I am the resurrection. And the one who believes in me will live even though he dies. Whoever lives it by believing in me, whoever lives by trusting in me, whoever lives by asking me into their life will not die. Jesus said, "I am the resurrection and the life." I am. Not I can, he's saying I am the resurrection. Right? Somebody better say amen. amen. <laughs> right? It's not just what he does, it's who he is that makes the difference. Write this down. Make Put some notes somewhere. It's not there for you, but write this down. The resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person. It's Jesus. The resurrection wasn't just an event. It's a person. It's not what he does. It's who he is. It's who he is. And some of you this morning have come in here this morning and you feel dead inside. You've lost your faith. You've lost your hope. Your faith has reached this dead end because of the delay, because of the discouragement, because of your doubts, and you feel just as trapped as Lazarus was in that tomb. You might as well be laying in there right next to him, wrapped up in those grave clothes, just waiting for somebody to roll the stone away. And you think, I will never have the strength to remove this from my life. I will never have the strength to remove this stone from my life. Guess what? You don't. You don't. But it has never been, it's never been about what Jesus can do in your life. It's what Jesus can do with your life. Your life doesn't change when Jesus decides to make something dead alive again. Your life changes when you come to know that He is the resurrection. Your sins can be forgiven, not because you're good enough because he was good enough you can be set free not because you're strong enough but because he is strong you can feel his presence not because you deserve it but because he's already done it it's because of who he is he paid the price he died on the cross for your sins And some of you right now, I'm telling you, you are stuck on verse 21. If only, if only, if only, but when one movement from God, you can go from verse 21 to verse 22. And I'm not going to tell you that when you reach verse 22, that everything's going to be great. Not everybody is healed in verse 22. Not everyone lives forever. Forever. Verse 22 isn't a place where your hair never falls out and your body never gets fat, right? It's not what verse 22 is about. Verse 22 is not where you win the lottery or so-and-so starts being nice to you. All that other stuff. I'm telling you that it's in verse 22 where God is glorified because of what happened in your life in verse 21. Where Jesus says, I am Maybe he's looking at you right now and he's saying, look into my eyes. I want you to look in the eyes of Jesus and hear him say, I am the resurrection and the life. He's saying to you, I am the source of life. I make all things new. It all starts with me. It all starts with him. It's always been about him. Your doubts, your discouragement, your delay aren't cured because of what God can do in your life. They're cured because of who he is in your life. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is your hope. He is the answer. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And there is no other way except through him. And then in verse 26, he says, I see him looking right into the eyes of Martha and he says, do you believe this? Do you believe it? Would you stand with me as we pray today? Jesus is asking this, us the same question. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is more than what he can do. The gift is just Jesus himself. And we don't come to him because of what he can do or the tricks that he can do or the miracles that he can pull off. We come to him because he is the resurrection and the life. We come to him because of who he is. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day this Father's Day. Again, Lord, we thank you for being a a good father to us. Lord, if we're honest, there's a lot of us here that are in a dead-end type of faith. We are so discouraged. We've seen and felt the delay, or we even have the doubts. And so, Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for looking to Jesus to solve our problems rather than looking at him as the solution himself. We need nothing else than you. And Lord, in our verse 23, it may not look all rosy. All of our wants and our desires may not come true in verse 22. But Lord, we know that you can be glorified because of what happened in our verse 21. We know, Lord, that you can be glorified through our discouragement, our doubts. We know, Lord, that you can be glorified through anything that we go through in this life. For you have never promised us that this life was going to be easy. In fact, you promised us the opposite. And so, Lord, may we come to you because of who you are. You are the resurrection and the life. Everything else is just gravy. So Jesus, help us to come to you. Help us to realize that you are the only thing that our lives need. Help us, Lord. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Remember, though, as you are going back out into this hurting and searching world, that you are his resurrection people. You are resurrection people to this world. And when your world seems to be crumbling and your faith is nearing that dead end, remember, he is the resurrection and the life. And you are his resurrection people. Go and be Jesus to a hurting world. I love you.